Hello, Shakes Pals, and welcome back to Protest Too Much. I'm your host, Stephanie Craniola, and I have missed you all terribly over the past couple months. It has been great, I'm going to be honest, to have a little break and reset, refresh, get myself back in a place where I'm so excited to bring this show back to you every single week. And I did a lot of cool things in that off time, like sleep. And I did other stuff too. I was just in the Winter's Tale with the Barons men here in Austin, Texas. It was such an incredible experience to get to be in that show. I got to play Paulina and Dorcas. And I got to act with my husband on that stage for the first time, which was really cool. He was playing Antigonus and Autolycus. You've heard him. It's Mike. He was on a bunch of times. Um... But yeah, it was just a really special experience. We're on a replica globe stage here in Austin, and you really just can't beat that experience. Saying those words, it was it was awesome. So really happy to have had that time to rehearse and do the show and also to kind of get get myself in in order for a lot of different things. So the break was well needed, but I'm so excited to be back. Today, we are kicking things off with Ian Desher, who is back to talk about Star Wars. May the fourth be with you all. And we are, I'm, I'm making him choose one movie for e- or one play for each movie because in his books, if you've read them, he really expertly weaves so many different plays together within each film text. So this was a really fun discussion to get to have. Thank you so much to Ian for coming on and thank you all for coming back to listen. So without further much ado, let's kick off our second uh second guest appearance by Ian Desher, but our I don't know whatever episode this is and enjoy. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare showdown podcast where a guest and I go head to head each week and you get to decide who wins. Hello, everybody, and may the fourth be with you. Woo! Woo! I'm so excited, y'all. We're just going to cut to the chase. We're talking about Star Wars today, and this is a Shakespeare podcast. So who else could I possibly, possibly think to have on besides the one and only Ian Desher? Ian, I am so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me on again, Steph. It is super fun to be here. Hopefully uh, a lot less Thanksgiving meals of people pies this time around. Yes, I think so. <laughs> pretty pretty easy to, to hit that. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Ian Desher is the author of the incredible William Shakespeare Star Wars series, along with other film adaptations turned into Shakespearean plays. And the way that your brain works, what's, what's that like, having such a good brain? <laughs> wow. Uh, what a kind <laughs> thing of you to say. Um, uh I don't know. It's it's weird being the guy who's watching, you know, a totally random show and then looks to his spouse and is like, oh, that was the uh, that was iambic pentameter, what that person just said. And then my wife, Jennifer, will look back at me and be like, yeah, OK, I get it. Yep. Yep. You're crazy. <laughs> I feel like that's me with music a lot. Uh, like I'll be listening to something. And when I was teaching a lot of times, like I would use Lizzo or Taylor Swift because so much of what makes their refrains so catchy and stuck in your head is the fact that they're just straight up in iambic pentameter and then even hammered in further with like the beat and the notes behind it. So I yeah. I hear you. It's <laughs> it's a disease. 
Yeah, no, that's right. It's not a bad disease. It's just a, it's just a weird one. Just a weird one. So what was it about Star Wars that kind of made you have this idea or like, I guess, finally put this idea onto paper? Well, I, it seemed, I mean, it was sort of this clash of like two things that are so huge in our culture, right? So like, I guess I just didn't even think it was partially because I had just watched the Star Wars trilogy when I had the idea. Um, and so Star Wars was sort of freshly in my brain after not having watched it for a few years. Um, and it was just like, what if you took these sort of cultural juggernauts and and matched them together? And Star Wars just feels like this sort of this sort of epic tale that Shakespeare might tell. And 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 these days, of course, I will always say that like if Shakespeare were alive today, he would be writing things like Star Wars. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Uh, were you a, a big Star Wars fan? You said you hadn't watched it in a couple of years. Were you a, a fan like as a kid or were they movies that were important to you growing up? Yeah. So I, I grew up with the uh, with the movies. I was born in the same year that A New Hope came out. And then I was I, I remember seeing Return of the Jedi in the theater at age six. Uh, and, you know, I, I grew up with the VHS tapes and yeah. the toys and just all the stuff. Right. So it was it was just in my blood uh, from really early on. That's really cool. I imagine it made it easier to like dive into because you hyper dissect the stories into <laughs> to put them into these scripts. So probably made it I a mean, little yeah, easier. When you've lived with these things for, you know, 35, 40 years, right? It's yeah, they're they're just yeah, you're the part of you until you want to get in there. Like, what Star Wars fan wouldn't want to dive in deeply and and mine every bit you possibly can? So. Yeah. So in the books, you take speeches from characters you know you'll be uh, i'll be reading it and i'll be like oh that's this speech and it's so it's so cool to me how you've done that like how you have taken just out of context i know exactly it's like do you watch uh schmigadoon yeah yeah, yeah. it's that's how i feel reading uh your books is how i feel when i'm watching schmigadoon so like this season i'm like that's the arm movement from turkey lurkey time and it's just you see that in the speeches in your books too, and it's such like a a gold mine. They're enjoyable if you don't have that depth of Shakespeare knowledge or or awareness, but they're like even better if you do. And, and that was my hope was to make it accessible for people who don't know Shakespeare, but also try to have all that in there for for the Shakespeare fans and. And, you know, there are, it's, it's definitely, like, as I was writing, it was as you described, right? Like, oh, this moment feels just like this other moment over here. And so let's tie it together with the language. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite things about the books, but we're ignoring all of that today. I'm going to make you pick one. Uh, so we each have one Shakespeare play to match up with each film of the original trilogy. We're not getting into prequels or sequels today. We're just staying rooted in the originals so was it easy or was it hard did you kind of already have some ideas it was hard because i wanted to try to uh i i, I was trying going for unusual choices um a little bit now we'll see if i succeeded or not maybe we end up with the exact same three um yeah. <laughs> looking at my list it would be very wild if we had the three same choices if so, like if we end up with three choices, the three same choices, then I think like, uh, you know, we need to start like, you know, like having weekly phone calls and checking <laughs> because they're, you know, we might have we might have the same disease. I don't know what it is like. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's so I 
I wanted to try to stay away from the histories because I think with that like uh with that very clear undertone of of war happening all the time I wanted to focus a little bit more on like the character relationships because those were the things that when I watched these movies were fun to me and that's what when I watch Shakespeare plays those are the parts that stand out so um I'm just, I'm so excited let's just get started let's start with a new hope yeah okay all right so what Shakespeare play fully encompasses or as much as we can piece together this this movie for you. Okay. So I'm going to say that that what I was the, the the sort of rule I made for myself, especially a new hope I had from the start. So okay. I I had my pick for that from the start. And I and I will say that then as I picked my others for Empire and Jedi, like what I was trying to do was like go with the nugget of like what is this movie primarily about, okay. right? So A New Hope for me, primarily about a smaller group overcoming a larger, more uh, stronger group, right? I, it is a history play. It is Henry V. Yeah. Um, so, and, and part of this was actually, uh, like, it's something I've been thinking about since I wrote my first book, because I, before the final battle, uh, I have Luke Skywalker essentially give the Crispin's Day speech. And so you've got this, this, young sort of upstart especially if you want to borrow a little bit from the henry four plays mm -hmm. right you've got this sort of young upstart who then becomes this uh fantastic leader of people and uh you know i, I feel like the 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 droids the side characters end up being the sort sort of whole east cheap crowd crowd you can think of uh falstaff as your obi-wan kenobi <laughs> um he even di dies along the way right yeah. uh that sort of thing um uh, I guess I would think of Han Solo as as almost a uh, like a Fluellen type or something like that. Somebody who's serving alongside Henry, you know, uh, but is also sort of funny. And yeah, so even um, like a like a Michael Williams for him, like kind of distrustful of uh, the ruling class in general, but like hops in there and makes like a, such a big impact in an important scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that is my that is my new hope pick. Henry V. And I will say I ended up after, because then my brain, the way my brain works, right? I will say that I had to end up then with a history, a comedy, and a tragedy. So yeah. just a little, little preview of things to come. Okay. Okay. How about um, you? What, what was yours for A New Hope? Yeah. So when I sat down to think about this, my brain went Henry V. Like, hands down, it was the, to me, the most, uh, the most good choice for this film. So naturally I said, ha, what about not that though? Uh, yeah, it was my obvious choice for sure. Yeah, go it ahead. really, really is the best choice, but have you considered as you like it? So hear me out. We have mm -hmm. got uh, this, this princess, right? Who has for all intents and purposes, grown up in this luxury and is now facing extreme, extreme hardship and a decision to or or a desperation to um, flee or free herself from her oppressive whatever. So then we've got this young, stupid ding dong, uh, Orlando, who is basically our Luke, who like similar more similar to Rosalind than I think Luke grew up to Leia, but like a loving family. And then all of a sudden his situation changes and he's like cast off into this uh, brave new world of uh, having to figure things out for himself. 
So along the way in the the forest of Arden, which really is like this, I think, representative of the rebel forces for someone like Luke, like he finds himself in this space where and um, for Rosalind as well, they find themselves embraced by this new group of people, this new space. Uh, I think that Jacques is a very uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of character, like never is going to say it straightforward, but has an answer somewhere <laughs> like very uh trusting in nature uh trusting in the forces around him and then it kind of like all comes to a head we have to the the endings of these plays are like maybe a little different than <laughs> we get obviously yeah. there's a lot less tension in as you like it but there still is like duke frederick is is ruling this place in a, a evil way um, yeah. yeah, I like to think of Touchstone and Celia as our robots. So we've got our R2-D2. Yeah. I think Celia is the R2-D2 and maybe Touchstone is the C-3PO of the group. And they kind of just like bring Rosalind and Orlando together in this kind of nice little button ending. Han Solo, maybe, uh, who did I write down for Han Solo? I didn't. Um... Uh, there's someone there's someone funny in this play. Sure. yeah yeah i'm thinking about the kenneth Branagh film adaptation of as you like it and and why right why am i thinking <laughs> <laughs> uh and and brian blessed as the sort of bad duke is, is like dressed in all black and like there is a very sort of darth vader-esque kind of a yeah mm -hmm. anyway that's all yeah no i uh <laughs> i just think it's like there's something almost almost pastoral about the way that a new hope starts uh, i think it's fairly pastoral for luke like so that kind of got me thinking about that mixture of um the like the human relationships in it so that's my oh. as you like it is my pick for a new hope i love it i love it so then we move on things start to get a little weird um this one was tough for me, I don't know about you, but Empire Strikes Back is kind of a strange because it feels so much like a middle movie. Mm -hmm. It was a it was a harder harder pick for me. I'm inclined to make you go first on this one because because I went first on the last one. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, my pick for Empire Strikes Back is Cymbeline. Okay. For All right. a number of reasons. So uh, I kind of mushed. Han Solo and Luke into like, if we mixed them together, they're kind of a perfect posthumous because they make really bad choices. Leia is, you know, trying to indicate that she has feelings for Han Solo through this whole thing. And he's just like either willfully ignoring it or just like putting it aside for a later day, or he doesn't want the commitment of whatever. And so between that and then Luke being separated from her for the whole or for most of the movie. Like, I feel like we've got some image and posthumous vibes happening there. Um, meanwhile, we've got Cymbeline, who is not very present in a lot of it, but like a very overwhelming force of um, anger. And so it's just he's just kind of like that Vader who's like always there. We know he's the bad guy. 
Um, but it yeah. doesn't really come to head till till later. Um, also, we've got the Roman and Britain war. Another just like background thing that's happening. Uh, I feel like Lando is kind of like our Belarius character who like seems very helpful, but also is not willing to risk himself for anyone else until his kids uh, force him to kind of. And then also we have that like iconic, it's not in a battle, but we couldn't have a more perfect I am your father moment than when Arviragus and Guderius are like in the court and it's really more like Belarius being like, he is your father. But it's that that iconic reveal that everyone's been waiting for. And and I feel like this is the most we get that. Also, we've got Jupiter descending on the wings of a golden eagle, which if that isn't like and like giving cryptic cryptic tablets and and prophecies and soothsaying. And if that isn't like a Yoda arc, I don't I don't know what else is. So that's <laughs> that's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, all right. Well, so I uh, started again thinking of like the nugget of what is this movie about, right? It is about relationships, but then there is a, a gigantic interruption in those relationships. So of course, I picked Love's Labor's Lost. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Or Empire. Um, so I decided that you've sort of got these these four different couples right uh you've got darth vader and luke are sort of a couple you've got han solo and leia are sort of a couple um i'm gonna say that maybe you could call boba fett and lando a couple <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of the uh scenes i wrote for empire that got cut completely because lucasfilm was like no you can't have the scene was the scene where lando i'm sorry where uh boba fett comes to cloud city and basically convinces Lando he has to betray Han Solo, right? So it's not in the movie at all. It's just like, I added it in. And they were like, this is too close to canon uh, to include. Um, so, wow. so look at them. And then I thought, well, maybe we could also consider R2-D2 and the computer of the Millennium Falcon and or the computer of the Cloud <laughs> City, um, you know, both of whom he talks to. Uh, they're my a, favorite couple. couple. Yeah, I mean, they're great. Um, some of these couples have have a past together right uh like some of the couples in love's labor's lost also it starts off um with i'm thinking of the the boys of navarre as as the rebellion mm -hmm. it starts off with them at home and then the french women sort of invade in the same way that the empire invades the hoth uh you know uh uh, base. Okay. Uh, and then, and then the re rebels after that are never at home again uh, in Empire. Uh, now, I think the oh, yeah. boys in the bar are eventually back out, but 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 then they spend a lot of time out in the in the woods with the with the French women. So, um, and then I was thinking, you know, that that you also again with some of your uh, side characters, you've got this sort of wild, crazy talking Don Armado, right? Who's your Yoda character, right? Um, <laughs> And it's all disrupted in the end. Like you think that all these relationships are going to to you know somehow be resolved, and no, not at all. It leaves you on this gigantic cliffhanger, um, and that's where Empire leaves you. So that's what I got. I that's so that's so smart. I didn't even yeah. That's that's great. I was feeling more um, with the lack of like buttoned up resolution. Uh, I was going less cliffhanger and just because I like I didn't even think of that. Like, that's what a perfect ending. Um, but just that feeling of like nothing's really 
good or right. Like we still have all of these feelings to try and reconcile at the end of Cymbeline that like yeah. it's not a perfectly happy ending. It's just like it kind of leaves you leaves you a little unsettled. Which is like half of Shakespeare's comedies, I feel like, That's right? Fair. I, I, like like yeah, I mean I mean I think Cymbeline is a great choice, but I'm just saying like <laughs> that makes me also think of like Merchant of Venice or um Two Gentlemen of Verona. Measure for or, measure. Yeah, exactly. All right? is well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is not really well. <laughs> no, all does yeah. not end well. You you sure about that, William? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. The Gloves Labors is really fun for that, especially I think it's the is it the only like real true cliffhanger, I guess? Like wait and see? I, mean, I think maybe. It's I mean, well, other than Without I was trying to history others some of the other histories right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah right awesome all right the jedi shall return <laughs> all right <laughs> so this one was my turn to go first again right so yeah. so uh this one was the hardest one for me mm -hmm. um and i decided that since i already had a history and a comedy this one was going to need to be a tragedy <laughs> which i thought was sort of funny that i had ended up with a comedy for empire and a tragedy for jedi yep so I decided that this one is ultimately about this. I mean, for me, the, the emotional weight of Return of the Jedi is all in the uh, Emperor, Darth Vader and Luke, right? And, and those relationships and sort of uh, the way that the Emperor is trying to control things and maneuver things. Um, so I have Othello for Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to put uh, Palpatine as Iago yeah. here. Um, Othello is Darth Vader. Uh, Desdemona is Luke, yep. right? Um, and so, uh, really so you've got Palpatine as sort of like talking to to Darth Vader about like you need to you need to bring this son of yours to the dark side, and you know, and then also uh, hinting that uh, or, or you know, Luke is being untrue to his father Darth Vader by being with the rebellion. So the rebellion is Cassio. Uh, in this case, just the whole yeah. force is Cassio because that's who Othello is accusing Desdemona of of cheating, or well, Iago is accusing Desdemona of cheating with yeah, yeah. Uh, with Cassio. And so, if Cassio really is is uh, the rebellion, then I'm going to call uh, the Ewoks. Uh, they're going to be Bianca. Uh, which is the real relationship there, right? Uh, the rebels are really into, they form up this great relationship with, uh, with the Ewoks. And similarly, um, uh, Amelia, Iago's uh, wife, is the Imperial fleet, which, which Palpatine just uses as his pawn completely, you know, uh, just like, I'm just going to let the fleet be out there, like doing their thing for show, right? In the same way that Iago uses Amelia completely as his sort of, stooge sort of you know string her along um and so then the the handkerchief uh sort of becomes you know like the, the sign of betrayal maybe you could consider that luke trying to go down to endor hidden or or even like the green lightsaber like the new lightsaber that's been constructed sure um so then so then there's the sort of final scuffle between now I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> a little bit near, right? But between Othello and Desdemona, right? There's, there's a scuffle that happens there. Same as the fight between uh, Luke and Darth Vader. Now, in this version, of course, importantly, uh, Desdemona Luke lives. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's the difference. But Othello, 
Darth Vader does die. Uh, Cassio, the rebellion, is wounded. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they're they're, and Iago lives, as we find out. Palpatine lives when we get to Rise of Skywalker. Oh yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> uh, okay. I hear you, and I hear your deep, thoughtful analysis. But have you considered? Uh, that the Ewoks are the most important part of this movie, and uh, th so are the fairies in Midsummer. Um, uh -huh. uh -huh. <laughs> so I really took this. I took this more from like uh, uh, Leia and Han kind of storyline because, again, that was what you know. That's what got me interested was Harrison Ford. And they very much have this course of true love never did run smooth type of thing mm -hmm. where they're really yeah. fighting for themselves. Uh, it is a very, like, I think dual effort. Leia is so strong and Han is, like, finally uh, getting it a little bit. And so we have this Hermia Lysander <laughs> uh dynamic there where they're fighting for what they want everything else is trying to pull them apart there's so much more working behind the scenes than just their love story and yet we're still rooting for their love story so i i'm thinking of the kind of like vader palpatine like all of this as we've got not just theseus who i kind of feel is the vader-ish character here who has this like stubborn harsh view on things but at the end of the day maybe he's doing it not like his heart isn't 100 percent in it because we do see him turn around at the end where obviously we would hope that vader is convinced to um but oberon is really the palpatine of all of it like the world is is his puppet and the only thing that matters is him getting what he wants and it doesn't matter i know that like it's more fun to see an oberon who's like a little jovial and silly and and we don't want to feel bad at the end of that play but like the things that he does he just Stop. yes he just straight up changes people's lives because he wants to because he wants one thing and so yeah. that was kind of the like a real dark version of oberon is where i was kind of seeing palpatine pulling the strings there even at the end of the play like it's still very much puppet master through the whole thing and I guess you could kind of see Puck as like a Vader, like as a pawn more directly. But I think that Puck's a little too chaotic to really kind of fit. Puck is just one of the Ewoks hanging out, running around, being cute, being the best part of that movie. I sort of like the idea then that Luke is just the boy that that Oberon wants. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> just... that, that changeling boy who is just, again, it doesn't matter who he is or what he is, but Palpatine wants him. Yeah. So <laughs> I, like I I was trying I I really was looking for a way to make Midsummer uh you know to include Midsummer cuz it feel it felt it felt so right in so many ways uh yeah. for like probably for any of them but yeah that's great. Yeah. I like it. So that's uh like I said I very if we had had the same picks <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Would have been shocking. Would have been wild. <laughs> uh this was super fun, though. I, I love these movies. Obviously, I love Shakespeare. So just getting to think about them in such a different... Uh, you have to choose what's important, right? Like, what pieces do you really highlight? Yeah, that's right. Right. What do you what do you focus on? And that's why, I mean, I mean, people have asked me before. They've never made me choose the way you did. <laughs> <laughs> people have asked me, you know, do you see these plays as 
you know, fitting with a particular movie. And, and really for me, it is more about the moment, right. And like, and like the scenes. And, um, and so I was able to do that, but it was a fun exercise, like thinking about, okay, if I had to pick like one structure. Yeah. So yeah, really fun. Thank Sounds you. like journalists need to be a little tougher and make you, yeah. make you pick. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Force me. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what, that's what this show is for. Uh, Ian, <laughs> where can people buy all of these books? Because it's not just Star Wars. We've also got uh, Marvel. We've got uh, Back to the Future, Mean Girls, Taming um, Clueless. Clueless. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. where can people buy all of them? Um, they're, they should be in most bookstores. They're online, uh, online bookstores. I have a website, iandesher.com. Um, so yeah, they're, they're around. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for being here. Uh, I guess if you have strong opinions about which films fit with which Shakespeare plays, you can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at P2MPod. And we would love to hear all of your opinions and how, how, wrong i was how right ian was and how much writer i'm sure you'll be (laughs) i want to know all about the thoughts that neither one of us thought of yes Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yes please all right thank you everyone for listening thank you for being here and we'll see y'all next week bye